0: Visit AscentEquityGroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T EquityGroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: You can bring a real deal to a team that's already experienced and add value to them that way chances are they'll do it and they'll write you in on the general partnership side and you'll get started there.
2: How great would it be to buy a piece of institutional quality income producing commercial buildings? Well, now you can with Building Bits. It's not a REIT or a fund. Building Bits is a new platform for non-accredited investors where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. You can now invest in the same quality assets which have previously only been available to institutions and wealthy individuals. Once you choose your building on buildingbits.com, you can invest as little as $500 and receive your share of the rents while Building Bits' team of real estate pros handles all the management aspects of the building. For the first time, the big corporations in America can actually start paying you. And when the building is sold in the future, the potential appreciation is redistributed to everyone so you don't just get the rental income, but also in the upside. Best of all, since these securities are SEC qualified, they are freely tradable immediately. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of their current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot the SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Dino Pierce, how you doing, Dino?
1: I am doing good. Thanks for having me. I, I'm excited and I appreciate the opportunity.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. And looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Dino. He is the CEO of Edified Equity and an active multifamily investor. In 2018, Edified Equity and Partners syndicated four apartment communities consisting of 254 doors across four markets, valued at $9.3 million, based in Denver, Colorado. With that being said, Dino, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
1: Yes, certainly. So thanks again so much. My background, I have a little bit of a different background than most people because I was raised by entrepreneurs. So literally, it wasn't just my mom and my dad. It was their parents. It was their brothers and sisters. I almost didn't know anyone who woke up and went to work for a company. They all woke up and run their own business and manage their own employees. So I didn't realize just being in that environment that it was something unique until I graduated college or kind of got out in a different environment, put it that way. So I always have had an entrepreneurial spirit, and it's kind of almost all that I've ever known from day one. And that took a little bit of a different path where I did go to college. So when I talk about entrepreneurs, I'm talking about people who, they didn't even go to college. They were finishing high school and going right into business. And I know that's kind of catchy and trendy today. And you hear a lot of people saying like, why are you going to go waste this time in college? Like, just start now. If you're not going to go be a surgeon, you don't need to go to school. And I'm taking that to the extreme. But anyway... I did go to college and got out into the corporate world, but there was that entrepreneurial spirit that couldn't be crushed. So about four and a half years ago, just jumping forward to real estate, bypassing all the little landscaping businesses and things that I did entrepreneurial along my path, about four and a half years ago, got involved in real estate investing when I relocated to the Denver metro area and started off a typical path. I was going direct to seller with marketing getting distressed properties under contract and I was taking it to a residential redeveloper and I was either wholesaling it for a very small, quick, but heavily taxed profit or (laughs) I was saying, I'm not gonna wholesale this to you. I have the goods right here. We're gonna partner. You're gonna do the work because I don't know how to do that, but I'm gonna lend you 20 to $25,000, no points. This isn't hard money, just straight interest and we'll settle up everything on the back end. So I did that for a good two years. And I had a friend, still is my friend, COO for an apartment acquisition company. And he kept telling me, first of all, you have to be getting killed with taxes, which was true. And he said, second of all, our market is so tight. And this was like four years ago. It's even crazier now. But he's like, I know it's hard to find deals. Once you guys do a flip, you have to find another one. He's like, that's another job for you you have the business mindset and the wherewithal, you should really learn how to syndicate apartment communities and be on the GP side. And I tell people all the time, I don't think it was one of those things where I woke up and I was having a really tough day, but it was just him constantly dripping on me for those two years. You're getting killed with taxes. You really should learn this business. Here's why. Cash flow, tax shelter, tax deferment profit, refinance, tax-free, then big profit on the back end. So I woke up one day and I was like, I should learn how to syndicate apartments. And that's how I got to where I have been for the past two years with working in the multifamily only. I don't do anything single family. I don't lend my private money unless it's in my own deals. And that's kind of fast forward to where we are today, where I'm focusing only on multifamily.
2: Well, I want to spend the majority of our time talking about what you're currently focused on, but I am curious about the other ventures you did prior to getting into real estate. You mentioned landscaping. What else did you partake in?
1: So it was landscaping business. A friend and I, we had a trailer, we had some lawnmowers, some weed eaters, and we had some elbow grease. (laughs) We would drive around. We had a routing. And we would cut yards. This is during the summertime. I'm originally from Louisiana. We're doing this call right now. I am in New Orleans, Louisiana. I was on a business trip, but I'm about to visit with some family. So that was number one. I also got into personal training, which was another kind of entrepreneurial, but everything was time for money, time for money, time for Mm -hmm. money, even with the flipping, time for money. And I realized, especially with personal training, wow, it's like, it's only me. The only way to scale this is to get many other trainers and me be the architect of the business. And again, you've got the heavily taxed because you're running your own business. You have your own job. You're not in the right tax bracket. Let me think if there's anything else I can think of. I I had some experience in the family business, which helped me learn how to run businesses. But one of the things that my grandfather, I'll be quick, but it's a great story. Again, I'm from Louisiana. My grandfather went to school, to kindergarten not even speaking English. He only spoke Cajun French. That man, his name is Nolte, literally was forced to quit school in the fifth grade to help his father put food on the table. He went on to become a self-made millionaire. So the family business is, sorry, I jumped. He started a tugboat company. He developed self-storage from the ground up. He had single family as well as some mobile homes. He had a small motel, I think it was about 20 rooms. He owned an ice house, a marina, a laundromat, storage for sports fishermen that would come from New Orleans, leave their boats on the Gulf Coast because that's where I'm from. He did a little bit of everything, but the best thing about working for he was as his grandson was that I got to work the hardest and the longest, and I got to get paid the least because <laughs> that's what he passed on. He passed on. Nobody gave me anything. I quit school in the fifth grade and found my way. If one can do it, so can another. And I'm not going to treat you any differently. A matter of fact, I'm going to be harder on you. So that's the family business, and it also—I didn't mention—they own gas stations and things like that as well in South Louisiana.
2: So the main takeaway I got from the ventures that you did, well, there are two takeaways. One, your grandfather was one heck of a person. Um, Mm -hmm. But then two, the time for money thing, trading time for money, time for money, time for money, landscaping business, personal training. That makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense now as you're focused on syndicating apartments and the different benefits there. So let's talk about the deals that you did last year. When I read your bio, it said you did four apartment communities consisting of 254 doors across four markets. First question is, how did you come across the opportunities in four different markets?
1: Okay, so 100% transparency. I still, to this day, I guess it still has to do with the business mindset. I operate a medical device business in Colorado. I have three small kids, and congratulations, I understand you are a father now. Yep. Um, Yes, you're welcome. I have three small kids, so that's a full-time job. My oldest is nine, my youngest is three, and then in addition to that, I'm on a syndication team, and the key word I'm going to use there is team, so I don't do this alone. I actually have a partner who is really good at networking with brokers, getting off-market deal flow or word of mouth from property management companies. We might be looking at something that maybe zero eyeballs are on except us, three to five grooves, but it's definitely not something that's going out to an entire broker's A-list or on LoopNet. net. So the deals came, they were pocket listings or off-market from relationships that my partner had. I actually, of those four deals, I don't take credit for Identifying and finding them initially.
2: Okay. Who's your partner?
1: So, three of the deals have been with the same partner. His name is Kyle. He lives in right outside of Houston. And then I have done one deal with Kevin, Peely, and Jason. So that's Peely and Jason, Yerusi, and Kevin Dowling. Okay. So, other than that, the other three have been with Kyle.
2: Very cool. Okay. And your role in these syndications, it sounds like, is not on the front end finding the opportunities. I'm guessing it's going to be bringing some equity to the deals and bringing value to the deal that way. Is that correct?
1: That is 100% correct. And there's other roles too, where we're on the right behind each other, market evaluation, market research, making sure that we can all together collectively find enough data to say that this is an emerging market. And it might not be national news, which is good because we want to be there so that and again, we don't want to underwrite any of the appreciation or vary maybe like a 2% or something like just go with the market, follow inflation kind of thing. But we're not banking on the poised boom, if you want to put it that way. The deal works even if that doesn't happen. But if we can identify an area and be there when it does, everybody's going to be really, really happy. Because if you like the returns that we're showing you, you're going to love us if we're able to cash in on some of that appreciation as well. But you're right. What I did, and I'll be upfront with you, You motivated me. I read an article and I've even posted, I blog on Bigger Pockets. I even reposted the link to that article. But you have a good article out there and I think you recently updated it about thought leadership. And that's exactly how I started because when I got involved, I learned the business of syndication, how to underwrite deals and network and talk to investors. But when people ask me, they say, what's the easiest way to, to get my foot in the door? You can do one of two things. You can bring a real deal to a team that's already experienced and add value to them that way, chances are they'll do it and they'll write you in on the general partnership side and you'll get started there. Or you can bring your networks, money to the table and add value that way. I think those are two of the easiest ways and quickest ways to get started. That thought leadership article that you wrote, I just jumped in And I started blogging, I started podcasting, I started my own closed purely educational Facebook group. I'm not pitching deals or anything there, writing articles on LinkedIn. Now I just got on Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel, taking one piece of content and modifying it slightly to fit those, I don't know, I probably just named about five different channels. Mm -hmm. You motivated me to do that and started just position myself as a thought leader and start drawing attention as a credible source in the industry and even rewind back to before I had even done my first deal, how are you credible? Well, I'm credible because I'm leveraging the experience of my partners. It's just like if if you and I did a deal together, you have 500 million in assets under management. And even if I've never done a deal, but I'm bringing, I don't know, $500,000 from my network to your deal, now, now I can automatically leverage you. So when they say, well, how many deals have you done? Zero. But let me tell you about my partner here, Joe, and what he's done. And right there it's instant.
2: Completely makes sense. And that is the approach that I certainly recommend. And I'm glad you got a lot of value from that article. And that when I say approach I recommend, I mean that when you don't have the qualifications or experience, the best way to learn is by networking while you learn. And that's what you do on bigger pockets at the events. So, how did you structure the deals on the GP side?
1: So, the way we structured all except one was a straight split, anywhere from 70 30 to 80 20 split. That meaning, uh, best ever listeners, 70 to 80% of the cash flow, tax benefits, profits are going to the limited partners and the general partnership team for identifying, underwriting, qualifying for the loan, the whole nine yards. Re- bringing all the other money to the table from the equity partners you didn't have to meet and build trust with there's a lot involved as you know right. we're keeping 20 to 30 percent and we do a straight split for everything cash flow equity across the board that's how they were structured is that what you were asking no but no, no sorry, <laughs> <I'm>
2: sorry. So <laughs> i was asking about the gp side so okay you do 70 yeah. 30 or twenty split cool but on the gp mm-hmm. side for you bringing what you brought What did Mm. you get in compensation for that?
1: We have a certain percentage carved out for everyone's role. And usually for, of course, it's more than equity like we talked about before, but we usually have about, let's use a rough, roughly 20 to 30% of the GP. So if you take a 70-30 or an 80-20, that 20 now becomes the GP's 100. We'll take about 30% of that and carve it out for the equity the capital raiser, the investor relations team, however you want to call it.
2: Cool. And how much equity did you bring in total across those four deals?
1: I haven't put the pencil to it to the T, but north of a million last year collectively.
2: Cool. So around a million. Little, around the,
1: yeah, a little over a million.
2: A little over a million dollars. And of that amount, which investor, I'm obviously not asking you to name names, but just thinking about that investor how did you meet him or her? The investor who invested the most. I didn't add the important part of the question. (laughs) The investor who invested the most, how did you meet him or her?
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I crunched the numbers and I don't have them memorized, but it it was enough math for me to know the direction you need to go in. So it was something like 65% of the people who invested with me, I had met online, over the phone, that kind of thing. However when I put the pencil to it, it was almost 90 or more of the people that actually invest money with me. Even though we met that way, we ultimately met up one-on-one face-to-face at a coffee, a lunch, or at a meetup. So the person I'm thinking of, we actually met at a meetup that ended up later, about two weeks later, to a coffee and then to the investment because there's the levels of trust that you have to climb, like they have to like the asset class and they have to have trust in the team. And then the team has to show them the right deal. Mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to say is, even though I have all these methods of thought leadership, the reason I created a meetup group this year, I failed to mention that when we talked about my avenues of thought leadership. But the reason I created a meetup group this year is again, because when I put the pencil to it, the people who actually put money into the deal, it was over 90% had Actually met me face-to-face mm. later on.
2: Mm-hmm. What meetup did you meet this person at?
1: The first time I met this person, it was at the Denver Apartment Network meetup group.
2: Okay. And then that person you met at a meetup apartment networking group, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. met up with them a couple weeks later, had coffee, and then they ended up investing. Have they invested in multiple deals?
1: Not yet, but they invested a a nice chunk in this one and we are meeting, actually, we're going to have dinner before your best ever event coming up and with my partners also attending. So we're going to go to a just kind of like a one-off, one-on-one dinner and talk about future opportunities because we have a few other deals in the pipeline. And we realized that there's more money and this person also has a network. And if we can bring him to the GP side, he would be willing to open that up as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm in for the long game and I I will go off of good quality volume and I have no problem giving up a percentage so that we can get a good deal done and offer a great investment opportunity to more limited partners.
2: When you were bringing equity and other things, you have other responsibilities in those deals. Mm -hmm. One responsibility was to bring some equity. When you were bringing equity to those deals, what was something that was surprisingly challenging to you?
1: I think surprisingly challenging was initially when I started out and I was letting people know what I was doing. I had a sample deal package. It was upfront. This is not a real deal, but this is where I'm transitioning from single family to multifamily. When a real opportunity like this comes around, are you interested? in? it was almost like overwhelmingly, yes. But then when we had a real deal, it was very difficult to get people to wire money, subscribe into the deal. And the only thing that changed was that it was real now. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm really going to wire 50,000 or 100,000, whatever it was, into this opportunity. So that was a little bit surprising because initially I thought, wow, I know it's going to be work, but this is very doable. And then it turned into, no, you need to have some wherewithal, and you need to have a last man standing, long game mindset because – When the rubber meets the road, I've even had investors subscribe and not wire. They go dark after subscribing. Mm -hmm. And again, probably that one of the trust levels hadn't been met yet. And that's fine. It might take me putting five, 10, I don't know, 15 deals in front of someone before they say yes. So you don't burn bridges or anything. But I think that was a little bit of a surprise how difficult it actually was to get people to do what they said they were going to do.
2: There's a video... And a speech that Jim Rohn gives and the name of it is the sower and the seed. And he talks about how when you plant seeds, not all of them blossom and sometimes the birds get some. And why do yeah. they, get it? that's just what happens in life. And there are certain things we can do to optimize performance of the seeds that we sow, but ultimately they're not all going to blossom. So I get that. And it's a really good speech too for any Best Ever Listener, Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N, The Sower and The Seed. What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: Related to this business, my best real estate ever advice would be to take action and don't get caught in analysis of paralysis. Now, admittedly, I am the 1% who will tap into really good podcasts and go to great events, go to meetups, and I'll put the pieces of the puzzle together and run with it. To where there's other people who they need not one mentor, they have to have three different people or hold their hands through the first deal. And that's fine too, if that's what you need and that's how you learn. But for me, I'm like, fail forward. The only thing I wasn't willing to fail forward with is someone's investment. Because I'm the type of person, if you and I invested into a deal, we both put 100000 same deal, and it went south. And let's say I was a GP, you were an LP. I'm the type of person who would say, tough lesson, I will make it back, and there's no use crying and dwelling over this. Let me take the lessons, learned from it, and don't let that happen again if at all possible. But it would be your 100000 that would literally create ulcers in my stomach and keep me up at night. So I wasn't willing to let people invest into a deal I was involved would with without that? having what I paid back to you. Yeah. Yeah, by all means possible. Because that was a scary story, it almost happened. I thought I owed someone $25,000. And that was what I was thinking. I was, okay, how do I get him his $25,000 back? we we'll come to find out he never wired. Because we were like, we're missing person X's wire. We can't find person X's money. And I'm like, okay, we verified over the phone, the routing number. He has a disclaimer in his email saying, never wired to a routing number that was sent via email. So I'm like, oh my goodness, it's this guy. And we can't find his money. So I'm like, okay, I owe him $25,000. So The answer is yes. Now, if I'm not liquid, we would have to sit down and talk and work something out, but I would do my best to make things right. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I wasn't willing to do, but you know what? If you're a broker and I'm learning to speak the lingo and I've been studying and I know the terminology – Yeah, I might have some nerves, but the phone's not a cactus. I'll pick it up and call you, introduce myself, tell you about my team. Here's what we're looking for. I saw this deal on LoopNet. Do you have anything bigger? And I will start meeting with investors too, because it's going to be the first time. You just have to do it and get good at it. Because I actually learned more because I went through a course to learn about syndication, but I learned more doing my deals. I learned, I don't say everything, but initially everything multifamily through Michael Blanc. Cool. And from there, I learned more actually doing the deals, Mm -hmm. being active. We're going to
2: do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Wouldn't it be nice to buy a piece of institutional quality income producing commercial real estate buildings for as little as $500? Now you can with Building Bits. Building Bits is a new platform where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available only for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants. So don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of the current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, by bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com, and if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com, and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever book you've recently read?
1: So I know it's kind of cliche, but it's How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a classic and I reference it regularly.
2: Best ever deal you've done?
1: Best ever deal was actually, not for tax reasons, but this is back when we were doing the flipping. I actually found the lead. It was free. It was from Craigslist for sale by owner. Father passed. The daughter didn't want anything to do with his investment portfolio, made an offer. They said, no, we'd rather have an open house and take the highest bidder. But me being me, followed up after the open house, I just sent a text message say, how did it go? And she wrote back and she said, "It sold. And I was like, okay, well, good for her. And then about five seconds later, she says, to you, <laughs> I was like, okay, now I'll see where we're going here. And long story short, I was tied up really busy at that time. She was happy with the purchase price. The residential redeveloper was happy with the purchase price. And me being in the middle experienced a $45,000 heavily taxed profit from scouring Craigslist for a deal.
2: What's the mistake you've made on a transaction real quick?
1: A real quick mistake I made on a transaction. Only transactional mistake I made was... Not knowing what was going to happen with the market and I ended up paying two mortgages because I was transitioning from a different state, state to state, and I paid two mortgages for over a year. That was my personal worst transaction.
2: Best ever way you like to give back?
1: Give back through, of course, the thought leadership. I do complimentary mentor calls with people who are just getting started. I don't charge anything, just like giving them advice, let them know they can do it. Constantly donating to good, you'll see, jokes. My kids have more than they'll ever need for toys. I told my son, I'm like, you want a birthday present? Then you have to pick five toys and you're going with me to Goodwill and we are giving this. So we donate Goodwill Salvation Army and that's how I like to give back.
2: And how can the Best Ever listeners learn more about what you got going on?
1: It's easy to get a hold. I'm very active on social media. So you can look me up on Facebook, Dino Pierce. Go to Edified Equity website and contact me there as well. But I'm easy to get a hold of.
2: Dino, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about your entrepreneurial family and background. And so the ventures that you started with was a landscaping business, personal training, and it was time for money. Time for money. Spend time, get money. Yep. But ultimately, we ran out of time. We got to scale that. We went to real estate, was doing wholesaling, heavily taxed, profit, then focused on apartment investing and syndication, took a course, learned, and then started doing it. And now are in four deals worth almost $10 million. So thanks for being on the show.
1: Hope you have the best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.
2: Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com, and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one, and we'll check it out.